0: Hi, this is cami Gilbert from Oceans of Slumber and you're listening to Sonic Perspective.
1: On the ledge we dance now We are falling And the walls are closing in. When the darkness gathers We are crawling And the world's are closing
2: There's something of a buzz going on around you right now. Um, for example, you recently did a duet with Tommy, the singer for 7th Wonder and Camelot, for some guy named Aryan Anthony Lukasen. <laughs> okay, that dude, Arion only works with badasses. So I want to hear all about that experience.
0: Um, it, it, it came about, um, kind of happenstance. Uh, we were in the UK talking with an interviewer who was confronted with him, um, and he found out how big of fans we were. And so he's like, well, you know, I can tell him hello from you all. And is there anything else you want him to know? So we're like, well, if you could get him to listen to the Banished Heart, which was, uh, had just come out at the time, you know, we're like we'd be super excited. And so, um. He did, and and then Arian listened to uh, the Banished Heart. He fell in love with the title track and the album, and then he reached out about uh, me being on the on the upcoming uh, new saga. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was a very um, surprising and unexpected uh, working with him. He's incredibly nice and it, just incredibly um, insightful with with working with such different kind of vocalists and seeing what it is that they, they can do and what he can pull out of them. Um, he's tallest person I've ever met. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've heard and that about him.
0: Just so, so incredibly nice. Um, he was the first person I worked with uh, for recording outside of, you know, the same teams that I'd been working with, with mm-hmm. ocean. And so um, it was, it was, just a little bit nerve wracking to begin with, but he definitely you know made made things easy it's like he knows he knows what he wants and he's very confident in what you bring to the table and so it's with gentle direction and encouragement he's all you know go harder, go louder, go higher and it's awesome it was it but definitely showed me a realm and dynamics of my voice that I didn't know I had um and it was really fun to work on something so different from what I've been used to.
2: Wow. So, so you flew out to the Netherlands to do it right there with him in person. You didn't do your stuff at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. He likes to do everything in his studio. Um, uh, I, I assume he, if if it really came down to it, and you know, you just absolutely couldn't. But um, we had scheduled a, we had a tour coming up, and it worked out for us to go um, a couple weeks early oh. and meet with him and, and, and work with him at his home studio. So that was really cool. That was my first time to so the Netherlands.
2: Well, when did you do that?
0: Um, I want to say it was like a year and a half or about a year ago. Oh,
2: wow. Um,
0: and it was the video and uh, all, the, all the, of Abby's parts.
2: While we were there, mm-hmm. wow! And here I was thinking that you guys had managed to do this remotely during quarantine.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, not <laughs> not not that recently. <laughs> um,
2: you also haven't really kept quiet about some of the things that have been happening in the news in recent months. Like, like besides the, the besides the sort of things that I see you post on social media, you also did an editorial for Kerrang!, Uh, over the summer Uh, I was wondering what your hope with that piece was and if you think that the readers were open to your thoughts on these matters
0: I I felt like they were I got a lot of feedback for that and um, it was very supportive I think that people were curious to know what what someone like me thought about what was going on or to see kind of that deeper perspective from someone like me I think that people feel like I'm pretty introspective and take a lot of things serious. Um, and so to be able to kind of concentrate my thoughts into into words and like a little snippet for an editorial, you know, it, I think it came across with just a lot of insight to how I've been feeling and how I see things. You know, it's, it's easy enough to talk about your own personal experience. You know, I'm not... I'm not trying to state any facts or convince people of things. It's like mm-hmm. this is, these are, this is what it is, and this is how it happens, and this is how it feels for for me. And you know, a lot of people can relate to that. Um, with everything going on, it's it's incredibly overwhelming. Um, if if you let it be, obviously, you know what what you what you fill your time with, what you fill your mental space with, is going to have a lot of impact on you. And I have to be mindful of not just filling myself with information that I don't know what to do with and Mm -hmm. so I feel like when I'm asked to sort of share these thoughts they help me kind of give a purpose to all that information I'm taking in
2: you've also done some really really uh, eerie and evocative photo shoots with uh, some other Houston area artists Um, can you talk a little bit about that
0: so when we were thinking about doing the cover for Strange Fruit, I wanted to do, um, I have a really close photographer friend, her name's Taylor, and her photography group is called Taylee Photography, and she um, was not afraid to, you know, kind of push the envelope with her um, expressions either, and I trusted her with the subject matter, and we had talked about it ahead of time. And one day that I, lo- I love photography and I love dance and I love music and how those three intersect I think are, are just brilliant and at times can be like very wonderful. I can obviously put myself in pictures and that's one thing. Well, dancing's like not really something I can do. <laughs> I can appreciate for <laughs> for others. And so I wanted to do um a photo shoot and then I found a incredible makeup artist, her name's Karma, and she, you know, captures this eerie kind of picturesque I wanted it to come off I wanted it to clash with a lot of things I wanted kind of that high fashion and high culture and that kind of ethereal delicate modern look to clash with what what was in the picture there's this dress that I have I always call it like an alter ego dress but it's, it's just this really big cotton white dress and it had such a colonial feel to it and so I wanted that and then with the news to represent how complacent everyone had gotten with the atrocities that were taking place and continue to take place, kind of down the stream of history, and so that's why I wanted to put this like delicate touch and this cradling and this holding because it's like we're not we're not as mad as we should be and we're not as we're hiding that we're as damaged as we are and everyone just seems to you know tread lightly around this thing that's that's it's 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 imploding us it's deteriorating us and nobody seems to see and you know it ended up being far more prophetic and having far more relevance down the line because mm-hmm. that was that was back in february before the full weight of of some of the new tragedies that had happened but you know these these things growing up in texas you don't you don't i feel like you don't get as far from it as maybe other places do um and you know, we're a Confederate flag country or area, mini country within the U.S. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And
0: it's, you know, it's it's a lot of that good old boy mentality that can kind of be around. And so I, I I wanted to make this statement. I wanted to do something that, you know, was shocking, but not in the way where it's like, bam, out in your face, like, whoa, but like, a that doesn't fit right. That doesn't something about that's off and something about that doesn't feel right even though Mm -hmm. it's maybe beautiful and I want to look at it like I I want it to make people feel uncomfortable and but at the same time drawn to it and so that's what we were going for
2: I'm I'm really really grateful that uh, that that you're touching on these topics but like also that you also went out of your way to do so in a visual medium, uh, because there's something about visuals, there's something about seeing something uh, represented uh, that really hits a point home in a way that words and sound sometimes just can't. And, like, I'm specifically thinking about the lynching memorial that I saw in. Uh, Alabama last year. When you see a visual representation of these atrocities put in front of you, it hits home in a way that a book just can't.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that it's like when they're when you come across these things and they're like out in the real world and they're around you and they're something you can touch, that something that takes up space. Like it, it brings, it makes it real. And it, and it makes it grand and especially it's like when you see these names and they're all spread out and it's like, like how much room just these names took up. So then how much room do you think these people took up mm-hmm. and now they're gone and this is why and how they're gone. And that, that's so meaningful and it, and it can, it can speak and connect and give people a visual to connect the emotion and the weight and the severity behind, you know, those, those experiences
2: you, you also participated in a piece for Consequence of Sound with a bunch of other rock and metal musicians who are black, like, like William from Alice in Chains, Vince from Steel Prophet and Body Count. The, the, the thing is, uh, apart from skin, damn near every other black rock and metal musician that I can think of is that they're, they're almost all dudes. You know, and <laughs> it must be really, yeah. really, really hard being a black woman in the scene, even one as crazy talented as you are.
0: Yeah, I, I, I find it lonely, but not in, I mean, it's like it, when when you really sit with it or, or think about it or you want, you want that, like, camaraderie that they're, I would say, like, instant friends would be like me and Carla Harvey from Butcher Babies. Mm-hmm and i feel like it was that connection she's half black or predominantly black but mm-hmm. she's mixed And there was this connection and and it really was like a deciding she came to houston and was like let's get coffee like just like that you know and i'm mm-hmm. like of course <laughs> and we we go meet up and it's just like i just really wanted to meet you and it's like there were zero other black women in <laughs> metal and she, you know it's like i love your music and you know let's keep in touch and it's like yeah absolutely because it can just be so isolating and it's just, it's a different experience and like that kind of form brought to light. It's like you experience these things and it's kind of twofold as a black woman. I feel like you're the furthest most opposite thing from the top Mm -hmm. in the, in the respect of like, if, if a white male is the top a black female, is the opposite and to be so far on the other side of the spectrum of perception and, and culture, it can just be, um, you know, isolating and, and kind of difficult to navigate at times that I have to have a stronger resolve than I think people realize. And I have to Mm -hmm. juggle and weigh and balance my own feelings and my own perspectives and my own insecurities more than other people realize that plenty of times at my own show, I'm the only person of color there. Mm -hmm. And while that's not like inherently bad, it does. It's like when I look out, at the crowd and it's like I, I I have that love and we have that camaraderie, but it it can also just feel like I'm a spectacle and I'm an other and it's not as intertwined or um like I don't feel as immersed in my own music scene as I'd like to sometimes
2: yeah I can relate like not here because like you know I'm Latino and so is everybody in Texas but like when I travel <laughs> uh sometimes it's like it's not strange it's just different and yeah and I yeah. have been treated differently in an unpleasant way you know it's you know it's it's an yeah. ugly ugly thing that doesn't need to need to happen you guys covered strange fruits and that video dropped, I think if I remember correctly, it dropped the same weekend that the news started circulating about, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh,
0: yes. So the plan was for that to come out in February for black history month, but because of, uh, like red tape and copyright stuff, it, it got pushed back and it was scheduled to come out around March. Um, about when, it, whenever March, April, whatever, when it came out and, it was right right around that time it was Ahmaud Arbery, and then shortly after that it was George Floyd and and that song was just bare. Mm-hmm. And it, and the the horrible relevance of it was just bare. And they are just like, What the hell? You know, it it, it really was intense because, you know, if we were it's it's like we were already trying to make a statement and to make a statement on top of the news was quite like that. I think, you know, it just, it had a huge ripple effect within hearts and within listeners. I feel like.
2: I thought that your arrangement of that song was brilliant. I mean, it's already like the original Billie Holiday recording is already so intense and so disquieting and uneasy. Uh, You guys gave it a whole other dimension.
0: Thank you. Yeah, Dauber has such an ear and a mind for reimagining these songs, and it's a song that we've we've had in, in our repertoire for a while, and we wanted to finally, you know, put it together. And he 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 knows it's like it's, it's like music speaks to him, and and the message and the vibe and the, the emotion that needs to come through, he can make it do that, like in, in any number of styles. And so you know, and the more he gets to sit with the song and be with the song, and then I think the more, the more powerful of a mastery he has of like redoing it. So with that one, you know, he he brought it to life in this way that it 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 kept the essence of it so well, mm-hmm. but still changed it, and then you know, kind of made it metal and gave it that iron grit that kind of modernized it at the same time. So. I'll always be in awe of what
2: he did with that song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything came together beautifully there. But like his his between his drumming and your voice, those two aspects of the oceans of slumber sound right there are frightening enough as they are. With everybody else doing their thing, it, it just just takes it over the edge. It's 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 an un, it's an incredible sound um like but before before we go on um i, I do want to express my gratitude that you guys are bringing attention to these issues that i really don't think that a lot of people in the metal community pay much attention to uh so thank you
0: and thank you
2: Now, the last time we talked was in Austin, and you and Dauber uh, both mentioned that the songwriting process for The Banished Heart was emotionally exhausting for the both of you. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, You guys have a new record coming out in a couple weeks. I was wondering if writing the new self-titled album was as taxing for y'all as it was last time around.
0: I would say no. Like, thank goodness. I think that what makes me feel, what makes my feelings towards this album like better, it's like, I have a relationship with each album mm-hmm. and each album is like its own entity. And it's like, I, I love the Ben heart, but my relationship with it is very different from the new album because of what went into it and, and how it was forged. That with the new album, I feel like there's so much more hope and energy and like, there's, a, a sparkle to it that it's like these these glimmers of gold go across it for me. Versus, the banished heart was all black, mm-hmm. and you know it's it came about and the energy that came from the new guys and getting together and writing it, was just so much more positive than what was surrounding the banished heart. That it, it it felt like more of a refreshing therapeutic process um, to to get it finished and get it recorded you know, we had the excitement of getting to know the new guys of their excitement for being in the band of exploring their influences and sharing. It's like making ultimate new music friends, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that to me, that's what the new album holds. And that's the energy around the the new album. We're going to, we're going to go hard on what we, what we know, what our influences are. We're going to expand. We have that freedom. We're taking down boundaries. And then we have this new energy and this new confidence and, and what we're creating, and the people that we're creating it with, it, it 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 just felt it felt so much healthier and so much better.
2: I I think that that's really uh, that really comes through in the the way that the album sounds and the way that we hear you guys interact with one another. Uh, that that was actually my next question, like, cause, cause cause when we last talked, it was right before you guys made your Texas debut with the revamped lineup. And mm-hmm. and I thought that Jesse and Zen and Samir just like fucking nailed it with you guys on stage. Yeah. Like like it was com- it was a completely seamless transition, you know, from the perspective of the audience. Uh and like it's great to hear that having those guys around uh has affected like, you know, the creative process in such a positive way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like they they it's like a, you know, we we found each other, and and why it worked was because you know it it just it had all the right variables, and so, you know, to that kind of feedback, like you say, of how they how they were on stage and like the like they they just got it, and they were mm-hmm. fans and knew the band like obviously before they got in the van, and that helped, but it's like mm-hmm. they got it and they and it synced with them, and. It it just it made it made everything feel right and look right and and just be so much more streamlined that you know it it makes me incredibly happy and it's a, it's a huge relief when we get together or have to to do anything because they they take they take their role so serious and they they take on responsibility for what it means being in the band It's not just showing up and playing on stage or mm-hmm. you know writing the songs but putting the time in with with figuring out you know places to stay on tour or things to do or whatever. It's like there's so much more work when it comes to being in a band than just the music. And they, they help with all of that. And then they take their expression and their emotions on stage so serious and it just it's just nice to feel like you are surrounded with people that feel the same way about it as you do.
2: The album is so broad in scope and and it sounds even more cohesive than Banished Heart and Winter before it. I mean it's the songs are like they're even stronger and they bite even even harder and Dauber's on freaking fire and You're on freaking fire. Your singing is out of this world on this new album. Um and like I might be completely off the mark here but but it kind of sounds like you're drawing even more from American Black music than you were already.
0: No, I I, I love that you hear that. And, and absolutely, one of the big things going into it vocally, others like, you know, flex your influences. Show mm. show where you learn to sing, and if you want to be bluesier with it, if you want to be more gospel and Southern with it, he's like, do that. He's like, we're not trying to appease anybody but ourselves, and so if you want to flex, flex. And so I I put a lot into working with my voice this last year because when I was going to be on Arian's album, I, I made sure that I was ready and I, mm-hmm. this was like one of my first times taking like formal singing lessons oh, and cool. learning to just have a healthier voice, a healthier technique, but but get to the places that I want to get to mm-hmm. because, you know, people hear the voice and it's like, you have this potential, you can do this, but it's like in trying to do that, I don't want to injure, injure something or, or feel strained. It's like I, I want it all to be at my disposal and so I got with uh Mary Zimmer she's phenomenal vocal instructor and and she helped me really hone in on on my craft and 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 make my voice to do everything I wanted it to do and so for this album it's like I want to go really big and I want to go and just you know I want to show the full range of how how I like to sing, not just try and fit into what I think like is acceptable amongst metal clean singing.
2: So you were completely self-taught, had no formal training until recently?
0: Yeah, but in, in like cheating the system, my, my, um, my dad was a local musician and I grew up with like music in our house Mm -hmm. and he sang, he had a, he made. A very beautiful voice but not like conventionally <laughs> beautiful that he could sing and he had a very smooth voice mm-hmm. and then my mom uh sang they met you know he was the church choir director and she was in the choir mm-hmm. and so you know they I, I I grew up with people who knew how to sing and they never like told me or you know I never stood there with my hand on my stomach and doing chords and stuff but I I just was around good music and good singers from the start but I almost took it for granted that I'm like, well, everybody knows how to sing, mm-hmm. and you're you're purposely choosing like to sing off key or something if you do.
1: That <laughs> that's
0: not that's not the case, as I found out. And I also just thought like, however well you could sing, that's just how you that's what you were stuck with, and you couldn't make it any better or worse, which is also not true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, as I got it, it, it uh, mostly when I started touring, I realized that there's a very different level to be have to just being able to sing like that every day
1: mm-hmm. that
0: originally what sent me to uh, lessons was just longevity. It's like, how do I maintain, how do I have the best healthiest technique so that I'm not running out of breath or I'm not going hoarse, or I'm not getting strained because I have to do this for 30 days straight or something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it's within that, that I'm telling, you know, Mary, my ideas. And she's like, yeah, that's wrong. And like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And she's like, no, if you want to add something to your voice or learn to do a thing, like, you can. And I was like, oh. So we, we worked on distortion. We worked on uh, getting to the aspect of having growls, mm-hmm. but more so to add, like, as an as a um, inflection versus, like, I'm going to do a whole verse in, in growls or something.
1: Hmm. Um, but I,
0: I didn't want anything to be off limits mm-hmm. um, as well as getting up into like a whistle register or something like that or something like that. And mm-hmm. just having, just having it all and, mm. and seeing where, where my voice cut off or where it went, you know, and I, I, I built on it and she showed me how to mark that progress. And it, it, it was just really helpful. And it was really neat to, to feel, to have that freedom and that empowerment behind something that I thought was a lot more
2: fixed Hmm. So are we going to hear any growling from you in the near future? And are you going to channel your inner Sarah Brightman at any point?
0: There's like, there's this, this, it's my same relationship. Like I have with the guitar and I always like, you want to play the guitar? And I was like, I do. And it's all learn to play the guitar. I'm like, I'm not gonna. (laughs) It's like like this apprehension to like, just do it. Even though in my mind, it's like, I picture myself and I have guitar on stage. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And doing the thing. And he's, and it's just, I don't but I have such anxiety about like taking on doing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I'm dysfunctional in many ways. And so when it comes to the growls, it's kinda the same thing. It's like there's a satisfaction to when they sound the way that I want them to. Mm-hmm. But I guess a bit part of my fear is like if I do them once and I make it public, then mm-hmm. people are gonna want me to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not it's it's a very small percentage of of satisfaction that I feel in how I sing mm-hmm. versus everything else, and so I guess it's like it's just uh I'll have to see how I feel. I think if anything, once you know we could get back to live shows, I would do it live versus mm. maybe ever putting it on a recording, you know something like that.
2: keep it special. <laughs> I I have to ask about one song in particular. Well, well several songs in particular, but but Pray for Fire. Uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> that is <laughs> one of the most powerful songs in your entire catalog and I think that it nails nails everything that makes your band so special. I want to know how that song came to life.
0: That song is our peak on the album. Like that's our song i feel like so the the way that kind of writing these albums happens is we get we have like two or three like pillar songs and the rest of the songs like kind of cascade off of those Mm -hmm. and so pray for fire is one of those songs that it was the the main one and the main focus for a, a bigger majority of writing this album than let's say like some of the other songs and you know i left Dauber and the guys to do the instrumentals. There was the the one part um, that came about first, which is um, it goes into the second transition, and my voice is kind of a chorus. And it's like, oh. and like we did that first. It was like this thing. It came to him. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna track this, and then I left it to him, and I didn't hear the rest of the song until it was finished. And so when that part came in, I'm just like, oh man, what a dropout, like what a sinking ominous kind of moment of when the song transitions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was, it's like, this is a song. He's like let out all the anger, let out all of the tension and the conflict and like, we're putting it into this. So when I sat down to work with it and, and, and right for it, it was this idea of this, this other. And it's how it originally started with this premise around like religion. It's like Mm -hmm. as a woman in religion, you're, you're unclean, you're unfit, you're, you're all these terrible things. But here I am supposed to be like the womb, the veil between here and the other. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm the lesser in, in this catalog. I'm the lesser in all these stories. And I'm the one that is treacherous. And I'm like, you know, it's like, really? And so it's how religion makes you feel bad about all of the things that come naturally, all the wild that's in you, all the, the nature that's in you. Religion makes you feel guilty about, makes you feel terrible about, and it just it sends you down, it sends you away. And then it's like that that experience with that example fits with a lot of things. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like how you feel as a metalhead in a pop world. And it's, I always think about, it's like such an iconic classic after school special, but it's like you have the metal <laughs> kid, and he gets picked on by like all the jocks and the pop kids, and they're just like, "Oh, you listen to?" And it's like, Ugh, go over there, and he's by himself, you know. And you're just down and out, and and you know, you transition that to like culture, and you have it's poor people, it's people of color, and it's like you're you're down and out, and it's a system that repeat. It's like it it strives and it is encouraged and it lifts up itself by putting you down. Mm-hmm. and so in pray for fire it's like okay well that person you, you cast them out you cast them away they're not good enough they're away and wherever they go they ha- it's like wherever they end up they have to make their own strength they have to figure out a way to survive and so the metaphor is the flame and it's like you banish me from the fireside you banish me from your warmth and I had to make my own flame to survive I had to feed myself and I had to do what I had to do to get somewhere and so you get So for me, it's like you have this line that's drawn and right now you have all these young impressionable minds and they're seeing all these things going on in the news. They're seeing all this conflict, all this rage, all this tension. And they're on two sides. You have the side that has enough resources, privilege, stability to rise up through this and be like, I want to make change. I'm going to make it in a positive way. And then on the other side, you have those that don't have the privilege that are down and out that are under-resourced and they are like, I'm going to make a change, but I'm going to be violent about it or I'm going to be tyrannical about it. And, and it's like the same the same time, the same experiences, they shape it differently. And so me being obviously prone to conflict, I wait on the side of like, instead of rising up and being like, well, I have this flame, I have this strength, I overcame and now I'm going to make everything better. It's the, I'm going to burn everything down. It's like nothing's worth saving and everything needs to just start over and everything burns. And so it's this calling to arms and calling out and showing that fierceness, showing that anger, showing that conflict and how it doesn't always resolve the way that people think it does. A few years ago, we got to be out at Dauber's Dad's and he lives in the National Forest. Mm -hmm. And out there they do a controlled burn uh, every few years, and they they purposely set the forest floor on fire, mm-hmm. and they let it all burn. And it's incredible to see. I mean, there's so much smoke, huge flames, and you, for someone that's not used to that or has never been around that, you're like, wow, like everything's gonna catch to fire. <laughs> They're burning everything down, and it's black, and it's death, and it's you know the animals don't all make it out. The trees are are singed, the older trees burn all the way to the top, and it's incredible in in a, in a you know it's nature that it's finest because mm-hmm. then it comes all back, it's green, it's renewed, there's new um saplings and things there's certain trees that like need flame for the seeds to take, and it's that's all those things as pray for fire. It's like all this is gone, all this is destroyed that, it's like, I'd rather leave a world to no one than, than let these people, these oppressors win and, and make a world that ends up just corroding slowly. So, there's a lot in there.
2: You guys packed all that into <laughs> one song.
0: <laughs> we went we went pretty ham on that song. Like, that song means a lot to me. And it has so many modes and so many dynamics and so many ups and downs because it it's I, I, I like I want when I write my goal is to have something that speaks to as many people as it can, uh-huh. but it definitely pinpoints a, a very singular emotion and a very singular like mood. And that there's there's so many ways to feel the same emotion. And there's so many experiences that make you feel the same emotion, and that emotion is what ties us together, regardless of what brought us there. It's like grief, you know. It's like you can lose someone in so many different ways, but we all relatively experience grief in a spectrum of the same way. And so that's, to me, this is that song. Like it, it, it's all those modes, but it brings us to that same place of like, you know, shit's fucked up and, and we have this anger and we have this loss inside of us.
2: Wow. Uh, you just made me love that song even more. Uh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I have to ask, like, like where else did you guys just completely lose yourselves in putting these songs together? There's a lot of powerful material on this record and like, where else can we see something as dense as what you just described?
0: Um, definitely. To, like the heart string song for me on this album is um, to the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dauber introduced, like it's like to the sea tolling of the bells and that's, that's, to me one of the other like pillar songs and so it's like return to Earth below Mm -hmm. to the sea and pray for fire kind of like the pillar songs and to the sea is is the the full hurting song it's a direct song for a direct loss that i feel like we kind of have a a trend across the albums for winter it was turpentine for the banished heart it was no color no light and then for um Ocean's slumber, the new album, it's uh to the sea. Uh, this song is about the grief that Dauber has had for the loss of his niece that he's he's carried and there's always reference to her in all of the albums mm. and all of the songs. There's an devoted to her. The blue cover is is a um that's it's a illustration of her and mm. there there's all these hidden um messages for her and for her mother, his sister, um throughout our our albums. And so with To the Sea, um, he, he it, it's like a, a letting go and a realization of how grief has kept them both in this kind of perpetual loop and to watch how you it's so easy to lose yourself to that grief that in, in the ground is that person there, like part of you is just in there too. And you have to step away or you have to walk away from just being, being in that loop and and looking for them or looking for these signs from them for, for so, for, with so much emphasis for so long. Um, and so like, with many things all of us have experienced grief and so we we decided to kind of all wrap our grief into this song Mm -hmm. and make it about that letting go that this person like going off is is part of you also saying like i i'm okay to die and then letting go that they have died and so it's like you you want to release yourself and when you know kind of when someone dies part of you dies if you're not the same mm-hmm. and and so it's it's the the harp the harp string song kind of that heart pulling song that goes goes on this album
2: I, I didn't realize that there was this arc across the uh, across most of your discography
0: yeah I think that that we we hide these things not hide them but it's like they're the details that are for us um, because these are all they're like markers mm-hmm. in our expression and then and they're they come out and they're like birthed and and they live on and they change and they become these things for other people but for us you know they're always these markers i do the other pillar song is the red flower that that one was that one, I think, was one of the first songs we were working um. on. Um, and that, that song's it's not a mess, but it's like, it's a jumble of ideas and a, the, probably one of the most lucid, like the lyrics are very contradictory um, in a sense. Uh, what I wanted to do with that song was basically it's like all all of the all of the different things like a woman is expected to be and all the different perceptions that get placed on being a woman. It's like, they don't, they don't, there's no consistency to them. It's like, don't be too loud. Don't, don't be too submissive or don't be too provocative, but like be humble and, and blah, 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 blah. And so the sentences throughout that, the throughout that song, the lyrics, Mm. they kind of in one way or another, just weave in and out of these things in like a way that like, it like makes me sick to my stomach. It's like when mm-hmm. I hear too much of that or I feel too overwhelmed with like knowing how I feel and how I wanna act, but having someone or or the situation tell me that I have to act counter to that when I know what I want to do is not wrong makes me like sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. And so for for me that song captures all of that. And Dauber's motivation, his inspiration for the song, It's the Red Flower, is the mystery and magic and terribleness that is like a the red flower is like a woman's menstrual cycle like that that it's like you, there's a thing that happens to you and it's bizarre and it's crazy and it's supposed to be nature and and so here's here's this treacherous thing that can hurt you and and make you uncomfortable and make you miserable and you have to like dictate your whole life about it and and well, at the same time nobody kind of notices but it also is that the reason that like you can you know give life. Mm-hmm. And so and so I tied all these things together. And that was the red flower. And that's a, it's a a pretty big that's our big doom track. You know, we went real gospel and real low and real kinda of southern with that.
2: That that's this is not the sort of lyrical content that one might expect from a metal band. Bravo. <laughs>
0: We went very. We got girly, but in a (laughs) a terrible savagery that is being (laughs) a woman. And so then that song butts up to Wolf Moon, Mm -hmm. which is it. They go together, so it's like you move through this, and it's like this this female storm, and then it slides into Wolf Moon, which is similarly surprisingly not surprisingly about the same thing Mm -hmm. but from like a man's perspective of romantic nurturing and sexuality and then you know we felt you know how cheeky for a woman to then cover that song and I think it just it it, it's the yin and yang Mm -hmm. for me on the album where it just fits so perfectly together but it couldn't be more kind of different um, and we'd done that song live several times, uh, that cover. And finally, we're like, it needs to go on the album. Our other kind of thing is finishing our albums, you know, with the cover.
2: There are a, a lot of gentle songs on this album, you, you know, more than I expected. But it's also got some of the heaviest material that I've ever heard from you guys. And then I found out that Dan Savannah mixed it. It sounds incredible.
0: Thank you. We are huge fans of his work and he and Dauber have been friends for a bit now. Um and, you know, we let him just do his magic. We didn't have a whole lot of back and forth or, you know, direction to give him. We know we know what we wanted and what he was capable of doing, so we let him do do what he does best.
2: Yeah, uh, it it's been so nice to see his name attached to a band that is not his own. Um like i honestly don't remember the last time i've seen that like maybe opeth 20 odd years ago
0: yeah no he's yeah he's he's phenomenal to work with he gets along with his crazy humor so <laughs> it's funny the back and forth that they have
2: uh you've been really really generous with your time i have one more question for you before i let you get going uh Mm-hmm. What's the plan from here? I mean, the touring cycle isn't really an option right now. So, what, what are you guys going to do?
0: Um, we are going to figure out some sort of video for like an album release—not video, but like a go live Q and A, whatever we can, whatever medium we can figure out for a uh, for an album release. Mm-hmm. More so, we've seen these totally distant shows and stuff. So we have about a month or two to decide. I think our idea is to do something around October for Mm. it. Um, And so we're kind of still feeling out our options, but I know a live online thing is, is going to be in the works. We have some really awesome uh, studios since the venues are, are pretty close shop, pretty tight. Um, but the idea is to just get some of that live engagement. Let fans ask us, you know, and see her faces and see us together, um, and 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 see how that goes. Obviously, it's school starting back, um, I think that that's going to. If it if anything else will shift dramatically, it will be soon with school starting. And so, as long as we're not on, like martial law, <laughs> shut down, and stay in your house, <laughs> we'll figure out what to do and we'll, we'll find a way to kind of just be, meet everybody virtually then.
2: Wow. Cammie, congratulations on another incredible record. Uh, you are making Texas proud. You are making metal proud. Uh, thank you again mm-hmm. so much.
0: Thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you for a great interview.
2: Cammie Gilbert, Oceans of Slumber. Oceans of Slumber are set to release their upcoming self-titled LP on September 4th, 2020, through Century Media Records. And you can currently pre-order the new album on both CD and LP. Sonic Perspectives is on all the social media, and you can also find us at sonicperspectives.com. Kami and I discussed the song that you're about to hear during our talk. It is not on the upcoming album, but it is definitely worth your time. This is a cover of Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, which, if you don't already know, is about black people getting lynched in the Jim Crow South.
1: Southern trees, there. here